What a time to be alive. It's a good time to be alive. It is a time to be alive. It is definitely one time to be alive. Mm-hmm. You want to just hop into it? Oh, I, uh, we have to do the listener thing, don't we? The listener-app.com? Yeah. Yeah. Are we recording? Yeah. Hey, you, sh- you listening. You should go to listener-app.com for a new podcast listening app where not only do they host podcasts, they host transcriptions of podcasts. So if you're hard of hearing or you want to just go back and text, you can read it. So you can read your audio medium. Yeah, it's true. Like, um, when we first started putting our podcast out, trying to get the transcriptions on there was such a hassle for me. But listener app, they really, like, it's just convenient. It's already on there. It's, it's done. All of our podcasts are on there. Listener hyphen app. Listener hyphen app dot com. If you know me, one of my most used words is what? What? Because I can't hear people very well because I have bad ears. You so do have bad ears. I do have bad ears. I had a lot of infections when I was a kid in my ears, and I never got tubes or anything. Okay, well, Pipes? I, can't, I can't make fun of that now. No. <laughs> cool. I don't care. One more thing. Go ahead and do it. Anyway, listener hyphen app. Do it. Make fun, <clears throat> make fun of me for my bad hearing. Today. I'm not going to. Coward. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go to listener-app.com. They like us. They help, they help support what we do, and we're going to support them too. So go listen to stuff on there and yeah. read it. Because you can't do that on most other ones. That's true. And they can they can get all my slurring and get all that mumbling that I do, and they can get that done right. So Perfect. Check it out. Listener-app.com, please. Yeah. All right. Hello, everyone. We are Some Nobodies. My name is Dylan. I'm Zach. And we are here to discuss Lovecraft Country, the HBO adaptation of the novel by the same name from Matt Ruff, written and published in 2016. This is episode eight, Chigabobo, directed by Misha Green. Zach, can you read the synopsis for us. Oh, absolutely. A distraught Diana finds herself in Captain Lancaster's crosshairs. When a visitor from his past arrives at a boarding house, Atticus and Letty each take steps to protect their future. You know, I put this I put this on IMDb. This one too? Oh yeah. You are on top of it. And the next one. Oh yeah. Yeah, good work. Luckily, HBO one. Latina has it on there yeah, first. Yeah, I saw that. It is always the first one to have it on there. All and right. I, okay, so... Episode opens with the song Cruel Summer. Do we want to go over our uh, spoiler-free thoughts on the episode? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all over the place today. Any All, all apologies well, to everybody I'm, listening. I was trying to jibble-jabble while I know. for your mouth. You're good. <laughs> uh, okay, spoiler-free reviews. What did you think of the episode? I thought it was really strong. I thought it advanced stories without closing anything down. I thought it gave us a lot of genre elements in supernatural horror and real-life horror. Yep. And I thought the visuals for a lot of the elements were very, um, they're going to stick with me for a little bit in some cases, for sure. Yeah, it was visually striking. It sounded great. It was a cool horror movie. I was so intrigued the entire time. But I will stick to what I said earlier, and uh, I feel that it wasn't very plot-heavy. Um, I felt that it touched on elements of the plot, but didn't really give you a lot where if you were to kind of give yourself like a at the end of the season give yourself like a quick like a, a crammed version of it you might be able to take this episode out I'm not sure okay I did like it I'm not saying I didn't sure. like it um, and I, we got monsters so I'm cool with that yeah um, all right let's let's go ahead and yeah, hop into let's it. do the uh, let's do the the, plot da- run the dang thing yeah <laughs> so it opens on the song cruel summer you remember that song right from when you were do. an infant when I was very, very yeah. young. It's a cruel... They still play it. Cruel... Yeah. yeah. They didn't exclusively play it when I was young. Um, you got a crowded area. 
It's mm. obviously aggressively it hot is outside. Very hot. Everybody's fanning themselves. Yeah, everyone's there. There's news coverage. Um, you can see D, and she's just crying. She's very upset. Uh, did you have any quick thoughts of what this was, or you knew what? I knew what it was coming into the episode. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I was like, oh, a gathering. I wonder why D's upset. They've they've been building to this since I think the second episode with the Ouija board. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. third episode. Yeah. D mentions something to Ruby, and then or D mentions a smell to Ruby, and then yeah. she just says like, "It's him, isn't it?" Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, "Oh my, God, what is yeah. this?" So then we quick, we go over to Rob, Letty, and Montrose, and they're at the same gathering. And Tick is obviously very concerned for Letty. He's making sure she's got beverages. He's trying to get her a seat. Now, at this point, because of last week episode, we were given the inclination that she that Letty was pregnant. Yes. And by all accounts, Tick knows that she's pregnant, and he's showing right away that he's like, "Hey, I know that." They don't waste any time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he knows that she's pregnant, and he, he's acting that way, but, um, they're at Bobo's front funeral service, which is upsetting, because he obviously was it, it's a, a horrific a character. Yeah. It's a horrific event. Yeah, you find out, we're going to get to it later, but you find out later that this is based on a, a very real event, mm -hmm. and what happened to Bobo and this happened to... Emmett Till. Emmett Till. Um, yeah, and it's, it's disgusting, but... It happened to Bobo and this, and um, everyone's upset. But there's a lot of people there. It's it's a community thing, like because of how graphic the, the violence was that yeah. was put on him. Everyone's attending. Um, they start talking about Hippolyta and her not coming back. She hasn't been she hasn't been back in a week. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a week. And now Dee's just missing. Mm -hmm. They're looking around. They can't well, find D, her. Well, Dee flees. She leaves. Yeah, she, she yes, leaves yes. the procession. Right. Yeah. Um, they all go looking for her, mm -hmm. and then that's when we cut through the logo. And the logo was, what I could make out was like two dresses, mm -hmm. and then uh, I guess like it was a, like... A ribbon or a bow? Yeah, that was like the main logo in the front. But in the back, you could see that the dresses were kind of like that old racist style, cartoonized African-American yeah. children, you know, um, with like the ribbons in her hair. Mm -hmm. uh, and... What, did you get any kind of sense of what was going to happen with this? D-centric episode. It was yeah. going to be mostly about D. Just because of the, the ribbons? Yeah. Like, D's walking around town. She sees these two girls outside of like a, I guess like a movie theater? They leave like a something. candy shop or yeah, something. Yeah, they have ice cream and they're like, like giggling. Chatting, giggling. And uh, they like wave to her, but D's not having it. No, D is still affected by the death of her, by the horrific death of her friend. Yes. And the passing of, you know, the missing of her mom. Yeah. So she grabs a couple rocks and she chucks them at these girls. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to laugh at. Yeah. Which kind of brings a snicker to her, which is kind of funny. Well, and at before this, Montrose mentions, like, hey, it's a coming-of-age moment for every black kid in America. And, like, I've had conversations with friends of mine who are black with kids, and they're like, you know, we have the talk with them, and it's not the birds and the bees talk. It's the one that white people don't have to have with their kids. Yeah, which is what happens when. Yes, and this is this is kind of D's eye-opening moment to the situation of yeah. the time. So D's walk around the town, and all the stores are closed for Emmett. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, Northside. Yeah, this uh, no, no. Yeah, no. You're right. I don't think so. Um, but like like I said, all the stores are closed, and D starts walking down his alley, and then immediately cops show up. Yeah. And Lancaster's on her. Yep. And uh, he 
approaches her and just starts bullying her quickly and was like asking about her mom and the, as, as mm -hmm. Lank's talking, the air cop is putting like a mark on the ground. They are chalking the bricks on either side of her feet Yeah. with what looked at first like just marks and then he is definitely drawing them with like intent, which yeah. as we learn in this episode, intent is very important to magic. Yes. Um, and they knock her down and Lancaster starts speaking the language of Adam. And he like rubs this kind of goo stuff on her head. It's very viscous. It looked like super glue. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was. Pretty much D just passes out. Yeah. Um, well, she sees like this cream of wheat like ad. She runs, doesn't she? Oh, no, no she does pass no, she, out. She yeah. like, passes out, but then like immediately wakes up. Well, they're choking her a little bit. And then he does the ritual on her. And then she kind of slumps. And she wakes up and runs away, and yeah. the eyes of the man on the cream of wheat yeah. ad follow her follow as she her. runs away. That's like the first Which is second. never never addressed in the rest of the show. No, but you know that there's something up with her now. Magic is at play. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Um We're gonna cut to Letty's house and Jaya's outside. Or Jaya's there and she's yeah. looking for Tick. And I'm like, oh, here comes this love triangle thing. Mm -hmm. They're pushing this story. Uh, we're going to immediately cut to Christina's house, and Tick is there, and he's wanting to know how to cast some spells. Well, she's at the family crypt, isn't she? Or is that later? I think that's later. I think he's... He goes to Christina's house, I think, and he barges, like, right in, and he he's like, hey, I need to learn, I need to know how to cast some spells. Is this when she draws the symbol on the in the dust? Yeah. That, I it seemed like a crypt, because oh. it's on, it's on like, a wall tomb. Like, You're it right. says, dearly departed, or yeah. beloved, or something. And now that, now that you said it, I was like, yeah, it's very dusty. It, it is. <laughs> um, they don't have anyone to clean. That's, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but, yeah, oh yeah, that was awful. Um, but she, he, he... It seems like he called her because we see him fiddling with something at the procession. Yeah. And she goes, you've had that card for a long time. I didn't expect you to call me now. And he goes, teach me how to cast a spell. And she's like, well, I mean, okay, fine. You don't have to be white to do it. Um, well, she, he, he's like, I want to cast this one spell. And she's like, you don't have enough white to pull that off. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Because he needed like confidence. Yeah. And she said like, it would just be easier. But she says that in order to upset nature, you need energy, mm -hmm. intention, mm -hmm. and a body. And I'm yeah. assuming she means a physical body you can move in order to make the motions and speak. But I, so far... <laughs> I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. So yeah, far... I think Lancaster's <clears throat> got the body for his magic spells. Yeah. Um, well, that's probably where the energy comes from, because if you use your own, you probably expend your own and right. die. So and you, you have a sacrifice. And obviously, Christina has two bodies. Mm -hmm. So I don't think... At it, least. Yeah. Um... But through the conversation, Tick shows her the key, mm -hmm. and she obviously really, really wants that. So she shows him the protection spell. She writes it in dust. It's that little scribble thing that we kept seeing in the uh, mansion in the first two episodes. Yeah. And he gives her the key. Yeah. Which I thought was odd. I thought it was odd, too. There, There is, there is a weird sort of camaraderie between the two. Yeah. Because she did save him in the second episode by giving him that ring. That is yeah. the reason. She gave him that ring, and that I mean, ring is the reason he resisted the spell. True. We know that there are ulterior motives on why yes, she did save him. Yes, we do. But that's fair. But my my problem with this is she he doesn't really know what this spell is going to do. And he just automatically trades the key for this he does. drawing. He knows the orrery is wrecked. 
he knows that the machine is ruined. Yeah, so he, true. as far as he's aware, he also thinks like, this is just a fancy piece piece of metal. Yeah. She then says, "Good luck, cousin." <laughs> yeah, Which, I assume that was just you yeah, know just, we're related yeah, at some cute. level. <laughs> uh, and then she leaves, but then Tick brings up the autumnal equinox. Yeah. And Christina freezes. He asks what what happens on the autumnal... Something yeah. like that. What happens on the autumnal equinox? And she freezes and she has a reaction that she knows this question is brought about by something. Yeah. And she pretty much reveals her plan for how she's trying to become immortal. Pretty much. Except she's missing one key element. Yeah. Obviously. We know later why Tick knows about the autumnal... Yes, we do. Al we'll autumnal. <laughs> Ugh. Autumnal? Autumnal. Autumnal. I don't think I like that word. Eh, it's fine. So we're going to cut from there to D and Montrose, mm -hmm. and uh, D is upset. And she's she, just gotten home. She just got home, and she knows that everyone's lying to her. Yep. She knows that people know what happened to George's death. As far as she knows, both her parents are dead. Yeah. Um, so she runs into the bathroom, and she cleans off all the goo on her head. Yeah. And she, she puts a hat on, and while Montrose is talking... Or like kind of telling her a story outside the door. As Montrose is telling her a story. She just really likes Hoopa Stank. Yeah, she <laughs> Man, that song was so good. Mm -hmm. uh, she turns the radio on pretty loud. She's trying to drown out everything. Um, and But what we're pretty much supposed to be looking at is this book cover. There's a copy of Uncle Tom's Cabin yeah. on the like bathroom book. You know that little bookshelf like table people have where yeah, they store toilet some people paper. having a bathroom. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't. But no, yeah, me sure. neither, but Airbnbs do. Yeah, they do. Um, I'm very happy for them. Mm-hmm. So there's a copy of that book and as it's going on, the... It falls off. The, it falls well, off. the image changes. The image changes, yes. And then it falls off. She flips out and dips. Yeah, she, she just, leaves out the window. She jumps out the window right when Montrose opens the door. Mm -hmm. He picks the book up and it's back to normal. Covers back to normal. So it's like either he doesn't see it or whatever. Uh, we're going to cut to Ruby walking. Mm -hmm. uh, she's going up to Christina's house. Yes. And there's a white man across the street and just says... He's heckling her. Are you the maid? And Ruby is not having it. No, she doesn't respond. And immediately William pulls up and diffuses the situation. Mm-hmm. Ruby and William are inside and Ruby says that the boy looked like, like a monster. Yeah. He looked like a monster. Yeah, and that's just upsetting. Yeah. And, but for some reason, that makes William take Ruby's clothes off. Oh, they they get uh, intimate. Well, before they do, though, Oh, William, well, yes. William kisses her, and she <coughs> yeah. stops him, and then she drinks the vial yeah. and changes, and then they start doing it, mm -hmm. and uh, you can take <sighs> this. It is, so Ruby is on top of, quote-unquote, William, mm -hmm. and as a white woman, this is in her, yeah, her um, this is in her Hillary skin. And then she starts transforming back into Ruby, and her skin starts sloughing off, yeah. and blood starts pouring onto the bed, and she is, like, tearing her way out like she's wearing a skin suit, and William is into it. They're not stopping. They are not stopping, and William turns her over so she's on the bottom, and she completes her transformation. And finishes, I think. Yes. Uh, it is another association in this show of sex with, like, violent transformation. Yes, but it was... It's very clear that it is Ruby's decision to do this, do it this way. Oh, absolutely. And it is still a kind of emotional... There, There's that emotional uh, the cover sex isn't of... The angry. It is uh, put a spell on you, yeah. but it's, a, it's either the original 
or the cover. I don't know who sang it originally. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I can't say. But it is put a spell on you, and it is like a haunting sort of slow rendition that is playing while this is happening. My question to you is: Ruby drinks the potion mm -hmm. while William's waiting. Then Ruby changes while they're, you know, doing her thing. How come William didn't change? Or is it? Do you think? Because, I'm assuming like, doses. So at first I thought doses, but mm -hmm. then I wanted to run this idea past you. Sure. Do you think because now obviously Christina is related to a uh, tick mm -hmm. and that family line, does that family line have a, a stronger power over magic? I think that's pretty likely. Yeah. Um, magic in fiction in general, whenever there's any mention of a bloodline, magic either amplifies it or carries it or a combination of the two. I wouldn't put it past this show to do the same trope. Yeah. I was, I was really questioning that because I thought at first I thought, they were Ruby, both, yeah. I thought they were both transferring back at the same time and I was like this is like weird yeah but no <laughs> what, a, what a very intimate moment to share with your partner but then we're going to cut to a scene that is slightly more tense and that's just Gia well Tick walking up and Gia's shoes are outside yep and he knows whose shoes they are exactly immediately and he walks in and he sees Gia and she he, is at the table and Letty is across from her and they're just staring daggers yeah just quiet so Dee's, Dee's walking up and she's going up to the railroad or the, the, the train mm -hmm. thing, whatever the railway is, <laughs> and she sees a figure. She's waiting to get on a train. Yeah. It's like she's going somewhere. She sees this figure walking backwards <clears throat> up the steps. Yeah. In a very crazy fashion. Yeah. And then when it gets to the top of the steps, another figure pops out mm -hmm. and looks and they're... They're wearing featureless, like, cotton shifts. Yeah. And their hair's done up in, like, red... What would you call those? Just ribbons. I, red ribbons? Yeah, just red ribbons. And they have long claw-like nails and bloody mouths surrounding sharp teeth. Oof. And they are... I was immediately unsettled. Yeah. Like, very, very much so. Every time they're on the television, it, it is, is striking. It is unsettling. Not only not only their appearance, but their movements. Movements, and even their dancing. Mm -hmm. And the dancers played, are... They're played crazy. by professional dancers. I, I would have yeah. assumed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they, they have a... It's it's part choreographed, part... Yes. Crazy. It, they, they, they go into these very fluid dance motions that suddenly end with them tilting over backwards with yeah. like a... You know, that... They do they do the spine tilt backwards over thing. <laughs> the retching thing. Yeah. The Emily Rose thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. I, I'm, I'm still not tired of it, yeah. necessarily, because if you want to freak people out, you contort the body in a mm -hmm. way it doesn't naturally yeah. go. It's a trope. It's a technique. It is. They do this very well. Yeah. Did you this is any... way way better than some others because they don't do the ramping thing where they speed up the frames. Right. It looks like this is all happening. Yeah. This is the two girls like doing yeah. it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Did you get a like an us vibe? Um. Because of, like the creepiness and the dancing. Less and, specific. And the dark. Yeah. Less specifically us and more just like. This is like a twisted reflection of yeah. something that is in real life. I was thinking more like a dance, the dance, the the creepy dance sequence at the end of Us, and how like it just all that stuff just felt very visceral. But um, I mean, it, it is Jordan Peele producing this. Yeah, true. There's yeah. Um, so they're freaky. Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty obvious that they're only here for D. And nobody else can see them. Yeah, and it freaks D out enough that she pushes her way to the line and leaves. She asks a white dude if she could see him. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "What are you talking about?" Like, the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Um, so we're gonna go from there. We're gonna cut. We're gonna cut back to Tick, Letty, and Gia, and they're talking about. They're quickly in the conversation. Of oh yeah, dance. they are immediately like, "Listen, 
Giazza Succubus, well, we call them, I'm called a Kamiho. Yeah. Well, anyway, you have sex with people and you drain their life and you eat their memories. And she goes, yeah, I do. It's what I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> but they did say that she's killed a hundred people. Yeah. Yes, now, they do. that would have been the end of her thing. Which is I'm assuming, didn't they do 99? They did in the in, Latin, in the one episode, yeah. but in this episode, Tick says they very clear. Tick, Tick says you've Tick killed. Tick says you killed a hundred people. people, and she goes, "I did. It's in my nature. Right. What's your reason? That's true. Which is a cool like yeah. back and forth. Yeah. But if she did kill a hundred people, but then there's also I the thing that, like what happened with her mom at the end. With <laughs> I assume that meant a hundred people meant that the window was open to pull her out of the body or something. Mm. All right, that's cool. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I'm. I've read enough like fantasy books. Like it's pretty easy, un unfortunately, in some cases, to make excuses for magic. Like, well, it probably didn't mean that. Yeah. It probably meant they could do that. Like, mm. Yeah. Who knows? They didn't. They didn't address it, so that's why I'm thinking it's. Yeah. I mean, the main thing deal. we're getting out of this conversation is that their their sex experience. Yeah. Right? And that Gia saw him die. Yeah. Doesn't know. Doesn't know why or when or when by or how. Who. And tick. Is <laughs> He's not happy. Tick, and Letty's not happy. He tick let tells her it wasn't real. What we had wasn't real. And then you need to get the get yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. And Letty's so pissed that she starts packing his stuff. His stuff. His stuff. Yeah. It's it's another it is another experience of Tick trying to do right by someone yeah. by putting another person down. Now, here's my question. Mm -hmm. If you had that experience where you fall in love with somebody mm -hmm. and your first real encounter mm -hmm. You kind of get hooked up to a bunch of tails. Yeah. You come back home and you're doing your thing. Would you tell somebody about that? So they they address that in the episode a little bit. I know. Bit. I'm talking about you. Me personally. Because yeah. that is a hard it, thing to say. Like it depends on hey, the, the person. Last person. Now, granted, Letty was a virgin. Yes. Which means their sexual experience is different. Different. Yeah. Important. Yes. Emotional. Especially in this time of. Human, especially in this time of American culture. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that you should keep anything from your partner. Right. But what I'm saying is, in a certain situation where nine tails got hooked up to every single one of your orifices while you're trying to have sex for the first time, it's understandable. So, in a in a traditional relationship, I can understand withholding a potential supernatural sex sex encounter yeah. until a point where you are very much invested in a long term thing with that person. Okay. Which Tick and Letty aren't necessarily yet. It's been a few months. Well, he moved into her room. He did. She You're gets right. her stuff out of her. That's fair. Room. With the addition of the other supernatural stuff, I do think Tick might have been a little more withholding than he should have been. I yeah, think at some point fair. he should have been like, "Hey, okay. listen. At one point, I was over in Korea, and this was before you and I got back together, and I was seeing this girl, and we got down to it." And one of the times she might have, you know, we ventured into an area that a lot of people generally talk about first. And Letty would have been like, what's on? And she, he goes, there were nine tails and they came out and attached themselves to every orifice on my body and she sucked out my memories. And she told me I was going to die, then I freaked out. I feel like Letty at that point would probably have been a yeah. little more understanding. I guess once a little bit of some stuff happens. This is a bit of a strange conversation for me to have because I always have an open supernatural discussion policy with my partner where it's like, oh, that's if, fair. If, and I've specifically had with every partner I've had, if you ever feel like you're in a time loop or you ever like think I might be a duplicate, this is the question you can ask me to get my trust. Yeah. Or the answer you can give me. What are my grandma's favorite cookies? Is uh, it one of those things? Like they're, they're like these New Year's like fried donut cookies with raisins in them, and she never made them without raisins, despite yeah. me asking. I eat around the raisins. You can always ask me that, Zach, in case you think I might have been replaced by a duplicate. I know, but unfortunately we have it on tape now, which means that 
Your duplicate will also know. It also means that anybody listening to this podcast can ask me that question if they think I'm a duplicate. Okay, I gotta cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to the show. Yeah, back to this. Uh, And the the gist of this scene is that Letty has this crisis of relationship with Tick where she's like, not only have you seen other people, which is always a little awkward and Mm -hmm. you learn of that, but she's a fox spirit who sucks men's memories out while they're having sex and also you didn't tell me about this with all the supernatural stuff. Tells Tick to get out. Yeah. Tick goes to leave, and Liddy goes, wait, you're leaving? Yeah. He's I'm like, like, I'm sorry. She goes, no, get out. She's having a crisis. Yeah, she, I yeah. understand. She's she's in a bad spot right but now. But more, she doesn't really necessarily not want him to go. She wants them to work together. Yes. And that's the thing. She goes, that's true. I, let's do this together. We Let, can figure this we out We can together. figure this out. Yes. And that's the thing. Like He keeps trying to do things on his own yeah. to help people, but that's the thing about the show is letting us know people individually don't need help. You need a family. You yeah. need a community. Yeah. Um. So he grabs his gun and he lets her know, "Hey, I'm gonna go cast a spell." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, like I said, Letty just wants to work together, but whatever, he's out. Christina is talking to Ruby. Postcoital. Yes, they are dressed. They are back to their original forms. And Ruby lets her know everything about Bobo. Mm-hmm. Pretty much explains all of it. Very explicitly what happened to him. Yeah, and asked if she cares. Yeah. And Christina's like, dot, 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 no. no. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about you. I don't care about all these other people. Yeah. But the the interesting thing is that she also says, like, I don't really think you care. Yeah. And that was cool. Yeah. What did you what did you think about that? I think it's a really interesting portrayal of Ruby's character. Because yeah. she's doing this pretty much expo- exclusively for her, herself. Yeah. Ruby's doing this to feel good about herself. Right. And, and to get away from her feelings of imprisonment. And one of the cool things that, I think one of the most empowering things that what she says is that today of all days, I did not want to be a black woman fucking a white man. Yeah. And that was, I was like, dang, that is so cool. And Christina quickly just rebuttals. She just tells Ruby like, "Ah, you you want what you want. Yep. Don't, don't find excuse. Don't. Christina is a pragmatic, like utilitarian, like selfish person. Yeah. She but is lawful evil. I see her say. side. Oh yeah. But I also see Ruby's side. Yeah. And Ruby's oh, like, absolutely. I don't want to excuse my space yeah. in places I'm not supposed to be. And and Christina's like, you, cool. Yeah. Then don't. Don't. Yeah. You don't have to because you got magic, baby. Which is kind of what Christina's been saying the whole time. Yep. Uh, magic think, is freedom. And I think that this is the time that it kind of sinks in. Yeah. But anyway, we're gonna cut to D, and she's. Going past more Nightmare on Elm Street kids. There's more kids playing. <laughs> They're the jump roping God. and singing a creepy. Whole... I hate that. <laughs> it's. I. I was like, is she dreaming? Yeah. Is this supposed to be a dream scene? Because it is so reminiscent of Nightmare on Elm Street. And she runs right into Letty, and she asks about Tick, mm-hmm. and no one knows where Tick is. Yeah. And Letty is very clearly distracted. Yeah. She's and not you, s- you see behind Letty, one of the ki- one of the one of the spirits. Yeah. And D, freaks out. She freaks out and she and she runs. And um, Letty is just like, go get some water. I'm busy. Yeah, go get some water. Um, which is, I thought that was a bit of odd on Letty's character since they were just all forming a search party and it's one of the main reasons they left. Yeah. But she is obviously... All Dee has to do is like, do you see that? There's someone chasing me. And I feel like that would be Letty being like, 
huh, maybe yeah. there's something more going on. D, what do you see? And then yeah. she describes it, and Letty would probably take it seriously. I thought it would go in that route, where she would get Letty's help in a supernatural sense. Yeah, but not. No. She, she leaves, and she runs into but I Woody. See, I see why, because D later on has some real strong character moments. Oh, I know. And, I, and I'm glad I anyway, worked out this because yeah, yeah. she's, yes. she's the highlight. But she runs into Woody. Yeah, Woody is just... Ran it's, a con it's a convenient moment in the script, where it's like... We need her to believe fully that her mom is not on a guide trip. How do we do that? They parked Woody around a bush. Yeah, why was behind Woody a bush? There? Because I had to hide Woody from D. That was my reason. That was my reasoning. Oh, it, it was literally yeah. just like, we need we need a way for D to know that her mom is not on a trip. So uh. we're gonna have her stumble across Woody oh, okay. hidden somewhere. It's late. It's a little lazy. Yeah, it's nah. which is whatever. But anyway, those the dancing girls are there. Yeah. And anyway, we're gonna go back to Montrose. And he's outside, and Tick is there. They're both sitting on the curb. Well, Tick's just like walking down the street. Montrose yeah. is on the curb. It's outside his. It's outside George's garage. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. And Tick, kind of out of nowhere, is like, "Cheat on my mom." Yeah, I think it's fair for him no, to ask it, that. It is yeah, fair. I mean, sure. he, he is just oozing emotion, and he's almost lashing out. He's at dealing it. with a lot. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Yeah, he says but, like, "Have you cheated? Did you cheat on my mom?" And she goes, and he goes, "I never cheated on her. I had urges, but I didn't act on them yeah. until after she was gone." And uh, so they, that's when they sit together, and Montrose tells him a story of, I guess, the first time he got caught with a guy. And that story ends with that boy being lobotomized. So he pretty much says, like, I've always denied this because... He always told... Uh, he also... It was about the pastor at his church who yeah. got caught with the boy, and they took him to... They put an ice pick in his eye. They cut out half his brain. Yeah. Uh, this is... Yeah, this is Tick and Montrose having a real kind of sit-down heart-to-heart. Yeah. And eventually they start talking about Tick's mom and the love and how Montrose just loved the family aspect. He wanted a family, yeah. but there wasn't any romance to it. Yeah, and he loved how much Tick's mom wanted a family and they didn't need the romance. Which is really interesting when you consider that he used to beat Tick. Yes. And also it, that it's I really thought that was going to be the moment that you found out that George and Tick's mom got together. I thought I felt like there was going to be a reveal there. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to leave that ambiguous through as a through line. Yeah. Maybe later. Um, Maybe when George's ghost comes back at the end or something. Yeah. I don't know. But that's when the rest of the lights go out because mm -hmm. it's, you're rolling. Yeah. You got rolling blackouts because it's so hot. Yeah. It's just so hot. Um. That's when Tick just pretty much tells him that Letty's pregnant and that mm -hmm. Letty hasn't told him yet. Yeah. But. And then I was like, well, then how does he know? Yep. But that's when he shows... Oh, this this was probably one of my favorite reveals of the episode. Yeah, this was one of the few scenes that I watched and then rewound the scene to watch it again. Because Me too. This was such a... Yeah. So he gives Montrose the book, Lovecraft Country book. Written by George Freeman. Written by George Freeman and says, that's my son. I went into the future. Uh, he says, he's, he leads with, I went into the future. Oh, I think I missed that part. I think, yeah, he goes... Because they were talking briefly about Hippolyta, and he yeah. goes, I went through that rift too. I went into the future. I got this, and that's my son. And then he reads the back of the book, and it says George Freeman. And if you pause it, did you pause it to read I the back? No. It's, it's like George Freeman is a writer of sci-fi fantasy stuff inspired by racial divides. Yeah. Reflecting the current age of America. So in the future, obviously they're still dealing with stuff. Inspired by his heroic father, a Korean war vet, and... Yeah, it's a uh, it's a really really good reveal. Yeah, and <laughs> so Tick tells him this is the story of his life, 
Mm -hmm. And he does say that there's a couple changes. Mm -hmm. That's that's later. Oh, it's, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Because I was like, I didn't write that. But down. yes. Uh, I, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that part. Um, so we're gonna cut back to Letty, and she's in this just white church all by herself. Yeah. And she's praying for protection. Mm -hmm. And at the very end of her prayer, she also adds Emmett's family for to it. For grace for Emmett's family. Yeah. yeah. And Christine just walks, or Christina walks in mm -hmm. and sits right next to her. And... I didn't take you for a godly woman. <laughs> she's like, well, I did die. Yeah. <laughs> she's I, like, or after I died. Um, I, did, I did what Jesus did. Christina goes, and eh, that was magic too. Yeah. And yeah, Christina pretty much tells her like, that it wasn't ever religion. It's always just magic. And... They kind of talk about the idea of what a god is, mm -hmm. and how Christina's dad, like godly men, always want to live in heaven. Yeah, but you know they never they never make it there. Right, right. And I don't really know exactly why, but Letty just decides to give her the negatives, and Christina's like, no. She's she's going. She is offering the negatives as a leverage for an invulnerability spell for Tick. She says, I don't want my, I don't protect the son, no, protect my f kid dad. Yeah. And in return, I'll give you the negatives for the pages. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Christina's like, no, I'll give, I'll do it for you though. Yeah. But she doesn't right away. Not right away. Cause she walks away and then like Letty walks up and she's like very persistently hating mm -hmm. this. And then immediately like Letty's stomach starts hurting. She lifts up her shirt and there's, it's, a, it looks like it's like yeah, bubbling. Being, yeah. Bur being burned onto her. And then it's that horned skull that uh, William had yeah. when Ruby first hooks up with him. The Mark of Cain. Yeah. The, her father's invulnerability spell. And that's... Things are getting crazy now. It, yeah. So we're going to cut back to D, and she's watching the cop station. Mm -hmm. And the dancing girls are behind her. They're being creepy for the audience's sake. Yeah, like it's, it's that it's thing. It's for nobody, but it's, they're getting closer and closer they and closer are. and closer. And right when you think they're about to grab her... Uh, DC's Lancaster dip, mm -hmm. so she follows Lancaster. <laughs> we're gonna cut back from there. I thought that was the next D scene, but uh, uh, oh yeah, we're it's gonna, coming. Yeah, we're gonna cut to Tick talking to Montrose about the book. Uh, yeah, this is where we talk about the changes in her book. Yeah, and he's out. He's describing the real Lovecraft Country yeah. novel by Matt Ruff. Yeah, yeah, and he's using the actual changes that they made in the book to kind of break like a bit of a fourth wall. Kind it's, of. It's a it's a cute little reference for it's it's. Like when uh, Game of Thrones used to make references to stuff that only book readers would catch. This yeah. is for people who read the book of Lovecraft. Country. And with the weird complaints like, William's supposed to be uh, Caden, yeah. whatever his name yeah. is. Uh, D's supposed to be a boy named Horace. Yeah. And they both kind of have this look. Like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> when he mentions that specific bit. Such a great it's fun. scene. It's, yeah. it's good. It's, it's nice to have that shout out. Cute little, cute little scene. Um, but then the talk goes to Tick's dream and the book thing. Um... Well, Montrose asks if the book has a happy ending, and Tick goes, Oh, that right. Christina yeah, yeah. sacrifices me on the autumnal equinox to become immortal. But my son survives. Yeah. And then Montrose like, that's in five days. Start the clock. You know, I always thought, and then he goes, he, he's like, that's in five days. I'll, I'll do whatever I can to help you and my grandson. Yep. Because I always thought, and this is a great line, oh. I always thought my life would come at the end of a white man's rope or bullet. Yep. But magic has more jazz. Oh. And I'm like, ah, uh, what a, what a. And like, in, in a show where <laughs> D is like the queen of all queens, Montrose still like comes in and sweeps yeah. in the line. Oh, that's a, gr it's that's such a great, a, line. such a great line. Um, so we're gonna go back to D, and she just immediately barges right into Lancaster and asks about the spells <sighs> and asks about the girls following her. And what the fuck did you do to me? Yeah, dude, she is so dope in this. She 
completely steals the episode in, in this scene. Yeah, absolutely. And he pretty much says that he'll take a spell off for the Ori. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know what an Ori is. Yeah. And then, and then she looks at, at the partner. It's like, her name's Hippolyta. It's Greek. <laughs> it's Greek, you jackass. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's so great. Um, she but, asks if she'll die if they catch her or stuff. And Lancaster's effectively like, I mean, yeah, you're dead already. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, she, he asks for the Ori, and then she just spits on him. Yeah. And, and leaves. <laughs> just leaves. Um, so she sees the dancing girls, and she's on her bike, and mm -hmm. she's going home, and she's like, and you can tell that she has more confident she's way yeah. more badass now and she just screams she kind of plays chicken with it and yeah goes right at one and it misses like, yeah I mean it slashes at her yeah. but yeah um they're gonna cut to Tick and he's just he's doing his spell they are they're they're inscribing the runes on the floor of yeah. the room and in his blood cut to one of my most hated movie tropes the thing in movies where when somebody needs blood and the character cuts their palm wide open. It's like, if you think of your whole body of where blood can come out everywhere, you need your hands. Yeah. You don't need that much blood. It's not a good place to do a sacrificial wound. It just never makes sense. And you see it happen so many times. Like, just slash a whole, your whole palm. Ridiculous. If you're doing a blood oath where you need to shake hands, that's the only time it makes sense. Yeah, then you should do a little bit, maybe. Right. <laughs> so, they're going to proceed with the spell, and Montreux starts talking in Adamese, and... They seem like they get the spell done, and Montreux says amen at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's old school. He's like, what's that? <laughs> I thought it would help. Um, but then Montreux's like, you feel anything? And he's like, it didn't work. I don't feel anything. Now, at this moment, did you think he bought, like, a bad spell? No. I assumed that it was, was doing it was doing a non-spectacle version of magic, because this is not out of the norm for like, a yeah. magic ritual. Did where you think you... that's that trope where it's like, it's giving you the idea that nothing's happening and that something will happen last minute? Magic placebo? Yep. Ah, uh, maybe. I don't know. I didn't think... I thought that whatever it was doing, they wrote it that way intentionally, so we would be asking these questions. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's fine writing, and that's why the trope works. Yeah, I'm down with it. So we're going to cut to Christina. So we're going to cut to Christina, and she's on uh, a deck, or like a, a little bit of a pier, with... Some yeah. barbed wire and some dudes. And um, she obviously pays these guys. She pays them to replicate the death of Emma yeah. Till. And they go through with all. They, they beat the crap out of her. They shoot her twice. They tie her with barbed wire. And they, then they throw her in the river with they, that fan thing. They tie her up to a cotton gin fan. Yeah. And then toss the fan in the river and she gets dragged by her neck into the water. And immediately, pretty much, pops back out. I assume there was a time gap because when she comes up, there's no sign of the men there. I assumed it was just an editing convention. Oh, I. It could be immediate, but I she did gets, not take it like that. She gets up immediately, and I'm like, that feels a little clumsy. Yeah. Give me a, if it wasn't supposed to be like a time la yeah, quick lapse, edit, yeah. give me a moment to breathe. Yeah, because it was so fast. It was. We're gonna leave from there and go to Letty looking at pictures in a basement. And they're obviously cute little pictures of Tick and them and love. Well, they're taken through a window, though, which is weird. Yeah, and there's a lot of pictures of Letty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Ruby comes down there, and they talk about the funeral. They talk about the funeral, talk about Emmett's body and how ravaged it was. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was kind of a, a, a like a, a cute little scene. Not cute, but I guess like in, in, endearing. But it was where that Emmett's mom had so much pride that they wanted to show Emmett's body yeah. and Letty didn't even have like the guts to take pictures of it um, 
but you could just. But then Ruby is also like, hey, it's also a different sort of braver to do what is best for you, and which is yeah, it's a great very scene. modern. <laughs> yeah, as far as mental health goes, like you got to take care of yourself in order to take care of other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really funny to juxtapose that to Letty immediately telling her that she's pregnant, and then Ruby not liking that. It's no, like, you, you messed up. You got yourself into it real big this time, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I get the feeling that Ruby kind of feels about Tick like he's he's kind of a he's kind of no good. Yeah. He's kind of a freeloader. He comes back from war and now he hangs out. Yeah, I can't really I can't really pick up a lot of what Ruby feels about a lot Have of Have we people. seen Tick and Ruby interact really strongly? No. Not to memory. No. Interesting. Yeah, because the last time we that they interacted was when they walked up and then uh, Ruby dipped to go watch D oh, yeah. in the last episode, so there hasn't really been a lot of interaction there. But that's the part where Ruby just pretty much reveals that she knows about magic, she knows about George, she tells Letty that William is Christina and gives all that away. And Letty's even like, are you spying on me for him? And she goes, no. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? No. Yeah, no. I'm doing this for me. Which is interesting because that's what everybody was thinking Ruby was doing. And yeah. it's funny to see, it's, it's interesting to see these sisters be completely open with each other about kind of yeah. what's going on. And I like it, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's I, great. I love seeing communication in a story. It's yeah. so easy to have characters not communicate mm -hmm. for, you know, story purposes. But Ruby then tells her about the potion and how she doesn't really, like, she tells her about the potion, what the potion does. And I thought it was really clever that Ruby said that she doesn't really want to be white. She just, um... She wants to not have to justify her space. Yeah, but I like that she says that she doesn't want to be white, that she just, and that's when she says that she doesn't want to have to keep apologizing for her space, which I think is something that a lot of women go through, is like, you, you go into certain places and you you feel like you're just automatically not welcome, mm -hmm. and you should apologize for you just being there. Um, we're going to leave there and cut to D, and she's in George's garage, and she's kind of like, I was like, oh, she's setting up some traps, like, what's going something. on here? But she's giving... The, the imaginary girls one entryway. Yeah. Like she's setting up a battle. Yeah. And um, she's tired of it. Yeah. She's got a she's got a big old pipe. And in between those scenes, we're gonna cut to cops at Letty's house, and they say they have a warrant. Yep. And then they say there's some crap about Islam. It's thing. the um oh what is it the Brotherhood of Islam? Yeah. Which is a no it's Nation of Islam. Uh, the Nation of Islam, which oh. was the African-American, like, new religious movement, founded in Detroit uh, back in the 30s. Yeah. Um, they have some run-ins uh, with various control groups over its status. Apparently, according to the so Southern Poverty Law Center, it is tracked as a hate group. Oh, okay. And teaches the theology of innate black superiority over whites. Wait, who says that? The Southern Poverty Law Center, they track hate groups in the United States, oh, okay. including people like the KKK and the Westboro Baptist Church. They oh. are, they're the headquarters for what people declare as hate groups. Oh, cool. And... Well, either way, the cops are just mm -hmm. talking trash. Um, but Malcolm X used to belong to the um, Nation of Islam before he left to become a Sunni. Oh. Way back when. One cop goes into the house, and when Lancaster tries to go in, he's stopped by the protection this might have actually been my favorite reveal of the show of the episode because letty's reaction she immediately knows oh shit yeah lancaster's in on it he knows magic. the cops are in on it yeah and lancaster looks at her and then looks at the rune going on the doorway and he goes let's go let's go 
immediately. Uh, immediately. shooting the house up. Uh, they shut the door, and literally about five seconds later, just a hail of bullets come through the house. Yeah. They destroy this place. So we're going to go back to D, and she starts drawing the girls mm -hmm. that are following her, and one of the dancers comes in. She grabs this huge pipe and just smacks the one on the head. And they are physical creatures yeah. to her. Well, or I mean, at least they react as if she is physically hitting them. Yeah, they get hit. They get back up. Yes, they do. And she continues to hit yeah. them. Um, the second one kind of goes in yeah. and then looks at the audience again, which is stupid. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> and then shuts the door. We're back at the bullets. We storm. go back to the bullets and Letty is bulletproof. We, got a, we get slow-mo shots of Letty and the bullets bouncing off about six inches from her skin. Yeah. And were, were you thinking that this was the protection spell that Christina put on? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that. Well, that's a fine thought. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to go back to Dee's area, and Montrose walks in, and Dee's just swinging that pipe. He does not see the Doesn't sisters. See he grabs her, he grabs Dee, and as she's struggling, like, her arm starts getting mm -hmm. these black veins. Yeah. And it's... And, um, and then we see from her point of view, the sisters are right there, yep. kind of tapping her on the arm. <sighs> I feel so bad for her. Yeah. We cut the tick, and Tick is, he's walking, he hears a couple gunshots. Yeah, he's walking to Letty's house, and he hears gunshots, and he knows what's up. And he runs for, like, three steps, I guess, and well, the, sees the, one billion cops. The street is full of cop cars. Lancaster and, brought the entire force, it seems. Yeah, and he, I guess the second one person sees him, they stop shooting, and they all point their guns at him. Oh, yeah, they're they're fired up. They're yeah. ready to just shoot people who are moving. So Letty sees that the cops obviously stop shooting, and are all pointing at, at Tick, and she runs out. As one cop fires. Yep. Slow motion. What do you think was going to happen? I. I thought. I mean, obviously, I thought the bull was going to bounce off him. I thought. And Letty was like. Hey. I. I was trying to think that Letty would get in the way of it. Yeah. Or something, but she was too far away. Yeah. And then, I was. I was honestly thinking like they were going to play it straight and Tick would get shot. Okay. And then. Go ahead. The ground and road in front of Tick erupts upward. Yeah. And at first it looks like it's just making a wall out of asphalt or something. Which is what I thought then. I was like, oh, cool. Me too. Cool protection. Yeah, I thought it was like environmental protection. Yeah. And then a gigantic, like, dark-skinned Shoggoth comes out of the ground. Yeah. Roars. And we get a nice little, uh, we get some monster mayhem. Dude, he goes to town on these cops. He slaughters the almost the entire police force. Yeah. As far as we're aware, we see, every cop we see on screen gets killed by this monster. The only cop that we don't see him kill, technically, is Lancaster. Does it not devour his chest? No. The one, like, the two arms are in his chest. Yeah. The little two arms. Does he not get liquefied? He, no, he throws him. Oh, he gets, yes. He rips his arm right. off. Which is how everything stopped. Yeah. Uh, the dead arm apparently shoots the, a, a, a bomb car. Yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. stupid movie trope where yeah. like one... cars cars are made out of explodium. Yeah. Do you know that? <laughs> I do know. Um, but no, there's there's this awesome monster rampage scene. Yeah. Where it follows the monster for a little bit as it spears a guy, bites a guy, uh, claws a guy in half, goes to Letty and Tick. It does some fake one shot stuff. Where it follows them through kind of the mayhem, and you yeah. can tell at certain points it like gets really close to their back and then bounces off, and that's yeah. how they hide the cuts. Um, and we just see this Shoggoth go crazy, yeah, and do exactly what it was probably designed to do. It yeah, pretty much kill everybody. I I don't think Lancaster's dead, although oh, yeah. he got 
rocked. He's probably going to come back even worse than he was. Yeah. And I hope that he's not dead only yeah. because I need to know what's up with his torso. And I need I need someone to really viciously hate. Yeah. I need somebody to die very, very I need someone to be wild. Dis I need a despicable character to watch. Yeah. I need a Shoggoth to kill something else later, mm -hmm. but worse. So when the Shoggoth is done ripping through all the police, it goes up to, to like Tick and Letty. It does yeah. that thing where it's like, am I going to attack you or whatever? Yeah. But then Tick just puts his hand on it like it's a little toothless. That's it. Yeah. And then we cut to black. Cut to black. Such a cool ending. Yeah. What did you think the Shoggoth was? Was it Tick's protection? Was it Letty's protection? Or was it something else to mislead us? I posed the same question. You did. Thinking back on it, I don't think it's the protection spell. I because agree. if that feels too tertiary for a protection spell. Right? I wouldn't be surprised if this is responding to a member of its bloodline, bloodline. guardian yes. being in danger. I 100%. It's been, maybe it's been following, like maybe we'll get like a Shoggoth point of view next episode where it's yeah. been secretly following Tick and like, you know, uh, secretly setting things up so they can go maybe well for him. Maybe that's been taking these romantic pics of the two. And yeah. And just assumes it's either her artistic <laughs> vision or Tick when in fact it's been this, this little Shoggoth. Archangel, we'll get that cute little, like, you know, it's secretly been Shoggoth setting things up all along, and it's like setting flowers <laughs> on the table for Tick to fly, and he goes, oh, oh I don't God. remember buying these. Oh, jeez. And then it's sitting out front, and all of its eyes are, like, smiling. Yeah. Two-parter two question, then, because I'm in the same camp as you, I feel like this is bloodline-related. Does it, A, mean that maybe Tick's side of the family has had this Shoggoth protection since moving forward? I mean, and it... Or well, that's do you actually, think it's triggered because he went to Artem? Well, I say it's a pretty interesting question, only because we know that Tick's mom is the only one that got out of the well, Oklahoma. Survived, but not long after. Right, but what they're saying was that she was one of the few people that got out out yeah. of Tulsa. So, so if uh, if she had some protection too, hmm. we I did have some. Stuff I will say. Out. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, I will say we got no hint that it, it would have been very cool if there was some sort of foreshadowing when he was in Korea that it helped him, like, maybe uh, in the like battle. Saw, like, an like, a, like a Korean oh, soldier true. suddenly yeah. gets dismembered and he doesn't know what did it or, like, or something. Or Shadowfall. Right, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I want to say it's Bloodline related, if only because... differentiation. That too. Yeah. Yeah, but if, if Summer... If some are just like wild or whatever, and then the ones that are for I don't, I, I, I don't know. What do you remember? What the protection spell was that Montrose said? No, because it was about water. Oh, right. Maybe. And he said something backwards. Ah, whatever. He was talking in the language of Adam. That's no, what the, it was that's what the subtitle. It was before. Oh, that. was it? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's the episode. Good episode. It was good. Yeah, it was entertaining. It, but I'll say that it was almost like its own thing. Like, if someone had not watched Lovecraft Country, you could give them this episode and say, here, watch this. I disagree. Well, my daughter watched this, and she's only seen one of the ones. She liked this episode. Okay. <laughs> um, this feels like it is setting up the last two. This feels like this was an interlude to set up what is going to happen on the last two. Okay, What? so what did they set up? Ruby is in the gang, officially. She is out in the open about knowing magic and how everybody knows else magic. knows magic. Okay. The secret about Letty's pregnancy is out. Dee is in the gang. If incapacitated due to her whatever interaction with the twins, Montrose and Tick have made up. Yeah. Gia is. We don't see Gia after she tells her, tells Letty and Tick about. We don't see where she goes or what she does or anything. Right. She could just be living life 
Maybe she's banging dudes in Chicago and stealing their souls. Hopefully. American souls, I bet they're different. Probably meatier. <laughs> Probably a lot more... Higher cholesterol. A lot more fat on them. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it gets everybody kind of collected. We don't know where Hippolyta is yet. True. Um, but Lancaster is now in direct conflict with the entire group. If he's, if he's alive. still alive. Yeah. And Christina is making very quick moves in a quick time frame against Tick. Why do you think she put herself through the death of Emmett? She comes out of the water laughing and sobbing. She is crying and laughing at the same time. I wonder if it wasn't a way for her to test the invulnerability spell. I thought about that, but I also thought that I was I was curious if she was trying to connect with Ruby by walking a mile in somebody's that shoes. That was my second thought as well, yeah. but she has other methods to do that. She could literally be a black woman in Chicago. Well. If she wanted to. Yeah, fair. But That's Christina fair. also has an ego on her. Yeah. Despite her attempts to paint herself as more reasonable than her father. So this could be maybe a first step at trying to connect with another person. I, I took it as kind of both, because yeah. she was very clearly recreating that death. Yeah. And she knew of it because of Ruby. Yeah, true. And I I think there might be two two angles at play in that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, either way, great episode. Yeah, I'm still interested. One. Yeah, we have two more. Yeah, nine and ten. Oh, that's cool. Um, did you watch the next week on? I did. What do you think is going to happen? It's I did a, not. It's a lot of action. It's a action. lot. It's a lot of stuff burning down. Oh, it's okay. a lot of uh, people shouting. Uh, it looks like everybody's there. Hippolyta is not, oh, not featured in that. Okay. Which is interesting because of the synopsis very specifically mentions her. Well, go ahead and read it. So the synopsis for Season 1, Episode 9, Episode 9, which is titled Rewind 1921. Yep. With Hippolyta at the helm, Letty, Tick, and Montrose travel to 1921 Tulsa in an effort to save D. Do they go to Tulsa. Okay, so we also know that there is a weird time loop thing where uh, Tick has been to the future and has interacted slightly with his son via book. Is there any way that since Tick's mom is the only one that survives it that we know of, that Tick saves her. Yes. Cool. Uh, the Tulsa Race Massacre took place on May 31st and June 1, 1921. So we are going to get a second portrayal of the Tulsa Race Massacre by HBO within a year time span. Oh. Because we opened up Watchmen yep. with that scene. Uh, Letty Tick and Montrose time travel with Hippolyte at the helm. D... Oh, D has like a like a shriveled like Dumbledore arm. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, she's cursed. We gotta save her. And then and it goes to a bunch of like action stuff. So they they were trying to hide the time travel in the yeah. next up on. Okay. Um, hey, we might see. Well, I don't think Lovecraft was ever in Tulsa. I was gonna say we might get a cameo from some dude playing oh, Lovecraft. Lovecraft. I don't think so. Yeah, who knows? I don't think so. Yeah. That feels a little little obvious. That's a little push, but whatever. Um, looking forward to it. Me too. Do you want to go ahead and close this out? All right. So you have just finished listening to or skipped to the end of Some Nobodies Discuss Lovecraft Country, uh, episode 8, Jigabobo. Uh, rough one. A lot of striking stuff in here. Yeah, good uh, We are Some Nobodies. My name is Dylan. I'm Zach. Zach. You heard Suzanne briefly in there. Um, if you want to find any other Some Nobodies stuff, you can go to somenobodies.com or you can go to patreon.com slash somenobodies if you want to help us support the shows we do, such as... Well, obviously, Silicon Angels just finished up Season 1, so go check that out everywhere. You can also finish up Season 1 of A Podcast Podcast, a podcast show, where Dylan and I find some really crappy podcasts and review them 
Also a couple good ones, but mostly some pretty crappy ones. You can also find our show. We have a show with IBM.TV, and it's called Talking Upstream. You can find the podcast version of that on there. I don't know. Anything we're doing, you go anywhere. If you go to that new app we were talking about in the beginning, the listener-app.com, you can find all of some nobody stuff on there and also the transcribes. If you don't like Dylan's voice for whatever reason, you can just read it. I don't. I know you don't. No. That's why I always wearing headphones. We have some shout-outs. You got to talk about Patreon, yeah. people. All right. Uh, we do want to end with uh, some very lovely people yeah. who help us out. They mean a lot. And if you help us out, you can also have your name included in this list of lovely people. Feel free to mean a lot to us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scott Curtis, thank yeah. you. Miss Sarah Tkachik. 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 Every time. Uh, Tanya Sheck. Yeah. Uh, Pod Room, which is an app. And Terrapin Care Station. Yeah. Um, they got some stuff. Colorado. And Maryland. And various other places where. And Pennsylvania, Michigan. Things are legal. See? Michigan and Maryland, where we're from. Yeah. You're right. And anyway. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Take it easy, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Say goodbye, Suzanne. Bye, Suzanne. There you go. Thank you. We didn't. That's a visual joke. <laughs> Other than that, tune in next week when we'll keep on talking about Lovecraft. Oh, yeah. Bye. Diana Freeman. What do you know about magic? <laughs> I know we were all meant to go through trials and tribulations. But this magic that's haunting us, testing us, it's like the devil. Perfect alignment. That's how you upset the balance of nature. I'm doing this to protect us. If they come for you, you damn sure make them work for me. I say no, no! <laughs>